Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here back on How We Solve. And for today's episode, I have with me Liam Martin, who is the leading remote work advocate and a co-founder of Time Doctor, one of the world's leading time tracking software for remote teams. He's also the co-founder of Staff.com and Running Remote. The goal of each of these companies is to help individuals and organizations be more productive in remote working environments. Hey, Liam, welcome to the show. Hey, GQ, thanks for having me. Really glad to be catching up with you. I think the last time that we met in person, almost two years ago now, I think back at Running Remote in Bali. Yep, with your beautiful wife. You were the cutest couple at the conference by a pretty huge margin. (laughs) And I I loved it and it was magical. And I really want to get back to Bali. I feel, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're getting close to the point in which we can start traveling again. I got my double Pfizer. Nice. I'm officially Pfizered, so I'm really excited about getting back to the real world. Flights, buffets, <laughs> flying, <laughs> just life in general. I am so ready to get back to it. I think that's kind of like the trend that we're seeing now anyway. Like a lot of things have changed in the US as well. I mean, there are events coming up, starting conferences again. Are you going to be having a physical conference this year or what's the plan there? We're going to be doing April 2022. So we're going to be back to physical conferences again even though ironically, we are a conference about remote work, right? So (laughs) pivoting to virtual was actually a natural extension for us and didn't necessarily go that badly at all. However, even remote teams, they need time to be able to sync in person. So we really see Running Remote as the conference for the remote business owners to actually come in and sync and learn the newest and fastest growing strategies for building and scaling remote teams, which by the way, have completely exploded in the last year and a half because everyone and their dog decided to go remote. (laughs) And I think that's kind of linked to what we're going to be talking about today. And obviously I'd be happy to just let you reveal that. We've seen like, you know, everyone's been sort of held back because you're unable to meet people in person. You haven't met your team members in a long time, like over a year or so, because, you know, we're all completely remote. And I think that kind of urge to meet people in person, again, always changes things anyway. I'm not sure if you see like a difference when everyone's kind of working remote all the time. And then when you have that in-person meeting or retreat or or company gathering, that kind of changes the way people bond, that kind of changes the way people discuss about a problem, for example, or quarterly planning, so to speak. Absolutely. This is something that I don't think a lot of on-premise or in-office companies really recognize is remote teams meet in person. We do it at least once a year in our companies. So we usually have, it's like a mini conference about the company. Everyone flies into one location. We were going to do Mumbai in India last year for 2020. Obviously that got canceled like everything else. But everyone flies into one location and we were going to do about four to five days, everything connected to how the company operates, what we've accomplished the last year, what we're planning on doing the next year. And more importantly, what are the core issues that are holding us back from achieving our three-year, five-year, 10-year goals? And those days are so important for recognizing the long-term vision of the company, but more importantly, actually, whenever a team member goes for their first team retreat, 
they fundamentally change. They really do see people differently. They say, oh, I didn't know that GQ was that tall, or I didn't know that (laughs) Sam was that much of an alcoholic, or whatever it might be. Those things are discovered during those team retreats. So I think they're critical for team cohesion. On that topic, since, well, people are still temporarily remote until they can actually meet up, what's the problem that we're going to be solving today? Sure. So I think that when I look at remote teams and how they operate, the biggest question that I get is when you're remote, how do you actually communicate effectively? And that's the thing that I think most people don't understand. And ironically, if you've been to the Running Remote Conference, it's one of the first problems that we solve. (laughs) It's one of the easiest problems to solve. But for these newer companies, what we and we've lovingly called them the pandemic panickers that have come in and said, all of a sudden, we need to go remote and everything needs to be remote. Those are the people that usually ask this question. So how to communicate in remote teams. So if we're going to break it down, as you put it, a pandemic panicker, right? What's the first thing that we can go about doing this? Like, how do we communicate? So when I've spoken to pandemic panickers, they've really built a model where they've recreated the office remotely. And that's the big thing that you have to actually get out of your head. And if I had to boil this down to a singular component, a singular methodology, it is asynchronous communication. And I know that that sounds like a scary word, but fundamentally, what we're doing right now is synchronous. Me and you are chatting live. If you have a question, you can ask me. I can answer it immediately. And this is really great. This is the way that most offices usually work. Asynchronous organizations work completely differently. The person who's listening to this podcast or watching this video right now is consuming this information asynchronously, meaning they can choose when they want to consume that information and they're not necessarily distracted. The concept inside of physical offices is collaboration is always better. More synchronous collaborative communication is always better. But remote teams recognize that the opposite is true, actually. Sometimes less synchronous communication is actually a better way to be able to operate your business because we can use the a la carte method versus the buffet method. I really like buffets. (laughs) So when you go into an office every single day, everyone pays a cost to go into that office. You commute for half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half to get into that physical space. Once you're there, There's a sunk cost fallacy, which is, well, we must communicate and collaborate synchronously as much as humanly possible. Remote teams, however, since they don't have to pay that cost every single morning and night, they can have an a la carte method. So when you choose when to communicate synchronously, you actually end up communicating synchronously way, way less. You're way more efficient. And this effectively opens you up to, I love to use this term, and it's going to become a lot more popular very soon, the deep work methodology. The ability to be able to embrace deep work is how you build hyper-growth companies. And whatever you can do as the business owner to be able to open up those areas of restriction where people are maybe spending four hours of meetings, five hours of meetings, six hours of meetings per day, you can compress that down to an hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes. It just opens them up to be able to do more deep work, which is the actual work that you need to do to be able to operate and scale your business. 
I like that actually, because like in a way you're blocking out time and it takes time for people to, to get into the flow when you're in the zone, so to speak, right? As you said, doing deep work. But I think one of the common questions that came up, funny enough, I was just on a different episode last week, I think, and we we're just talking about the need for meetings and less meetings, right? I think maybe this stems from the fact that, you know, if you meet people less, people might feel more estranged or not as connected to their colleagues. I mean, how, how do you see that happening if you're having more, as you say, more asynchronous meetings? And so people don't have that much face time. Like, do you think that kind of affects the team bonding as a result? So when I think about meetings, I think about the context and what's communicated inside of those meetings as being the critical parts to be able to minimize the amount of meetings that you do. So we have a rule as an example, which is no reports are communicated synchronously. So if I need to do a presentation for someone, as an example, I don't do it live. I record it on Loom or Vidyard, and then I take that recording, I put it into Asana, everyone consumes that content. And then what I actually usually do is I have an issue connected to that particular presentation. Because just presenting presentations saying, hey, everyone watch this, to a degree that's usually pretty useless, you can actually get the same value directly from a report. What I want to figure out is what is the issue that we need to solve? Meaning I'm having a particular problem about this particular issue connected to this presentation. And there's three different ways that we can go down this path. How do we actually address that? And then we communicate on that particular issue asynchronously. And then as we move through the chain, if something does actually come to a head where we really can't solve it asynchronously, then immediately we move to the highest form of communication that we can access in a remote team, which is video communication. And we hash out that issue and only that issue. We don't get distracted with other issues that you know might be presenting themselves. So that's the way we deal with meetings. And then that allows me to be able to, in my one-on-ones as an example, only focus on what's really important, which is what issues are you having throughout your day? GQ, what are your issues with how your work week is going? Are you having issues with some of your other team members? How can I unblock those barriers for you so that you can become more successful? It's almost like I think about the emotional quotient of meetings, and I try to reserve all synchronous communication for the EQ side as opposed to the IQ side of a meeting. And to me, that is much more rewarding because I get more stuff done and we actually get down to the real issue. But more importantly, it solves for your problem, which is people feeling heard and feeling part of a team because we're only delivering that type of product in those meetings. We're not you know, sitting down and going through our TI-83 reports or whatever that report was in the office. When we're looking at the EOS system, for example, right, we're talking about going through the KPIs, going through the rocks and stuff like that. And I guess like that's, that's always been done for a non-remote setting, I guess, in the meeting. And then if you're doing a remote setting, now that's an interesting thing to think about because we use the EOS system ourselves as well. And I think to myself, like, okay, as we go through the KPIs and point out different things to discuss, but perhaps that time is actually better spent, like having more focus on the IDS section or the identify, discuss, and solve section. It should be all IDS, in my opinion. So very quickly, if you have, let's say, 30 seconds for reporting the major metrics inside of the business per team member, I don't think that that's much of an issue. You know, maybe you're, you're taking five minutes and you're really looking at the metrics, but you're not discussing the metrics. They're just being presented there. If it's a big issue, if you're like, hey, we're not going to hit that target, then it turns into an issue, right? 
So then you pull it down and you really kind of address this issue saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to hit my target because this other form of technology that is dependent upon me hitting my target isn't built yet. And we need to build it. So we need to talk to engineering about it. That's the thing that I think a lot of people get hung up on. And the more time that you can IDS, that's the thing that really produces the return. I had to go EOS mode on everybody. But the more you can IDS, which is basically the more that you can like deeply approach the issues that are encroaching in on your business, the more successful you will be in those meetings because you're actually going to address the core stuff underneath the details of how many leads you got this week. Well, maybe that doesn't really matter because actually someone else is incredibly stressed. The person that's generating those leads is incredibly stressed out and they're about to crack. You know, one week things are going well, and the next week they could be disastrous. You need to address those issues. I just had this thought because as we were doing a level 10 meeting today, then I just kind of realized, yeah, <laughs> are we making the best use of time for people? So in that aspect, I think you mentioned that, and I liked how you ranked video communication as like the highest form of communication. It's the second highest for me. I have my hierarchy. In-person is better than video. Video is better than audio. Audio is better than instant messaging. And instant messaging is better than email. I have been looking at trying to figure out where to slot virtual reality in there. And it may actually be above video in between in-person, which we have been experimenting with quite a bit. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So we actually got Oculus Quest headsets. And we do meetings in Oculus, which is pretty interesting because there's a whole bunch of project management tools that are starting to pop up in that ecosystem. It's not currently ready yet, but if you want to truly build sense of space with other people, how tall is someone? How do they move their hands? What's their nonverbal communication? You get that inside of virtual reality, which you don't get on a video platform. So it's a different way of interacting with people and I think that probably within the next five to 10 years, we will probably be doing the vast majority of our meetings in virtual reality, in my opinion. I never thought about VR that way before. <laughs> I've been seeing that there are apps right now for remote work where it's like you have this so-called virtual office thing, or you're like in the gaming scenario where you can just like randomly walk into your, your colleague's office and just have a conversation. If you walk away from it, you cannot have a conversation with that person. But I guess VR is a lot more engaging versus just like a top-down view of like Pokemon or whatever kind of thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a really great one called Verbella, which I think is probably the biggest one in the industry right now, which is the ability to be able to create a virtual office. And you can have a top-down view. You can have like a view on your desktop, but you can also jump into virtual reality as well and, and collaborate that way. And the thing that's pretty cool about it is if you sit down at a meeting, you can actually have pass-through view to your keyboard and your mouse inside of virtual reality. So you can put a Google Doc right up in virtual reality, and people can actually collaborate in that virtual space, which is quite interesting. Again, it's quite early days, but to me, it's very clear. When you look at companies like Facebook, they're putting out a $300 headset that's going to be probably $50 at the speed that Facebook goes for these types of issues. And you can't keep them on the shelves at $300, which is crazy. And then also Apple is putting out their own VR, AR headset that they're planning on connecting to their iPhone. So between those two products, particularly Apple, once Apple really decides to take this direction, I think we're going to effectively have a new screen, a new IO device that we interact with, with regards to work. I'm looking at virtual reality quite a bit because I think there's so many opportunities there. I will definitely check that out. 
Thank you. Just to take a step back and we go back to the hierarchy of communication. So you talked about in-person and possibly VR <laughs> in between that and video. You know, the thing is, you're in a space where there's possibly Slack. You know, a lot of companies are using Slack for their internal communications. So how do you, as a team member, decide when can people contact you? When can people have synchronous or asynchronous communication with you? Like, do you guys have like limits or systems in place at Time Doctor or Staff.com to figure out when people can engage with one another in different methods, so to speak? There's barriers at each level. I think the ability for you to move up is totally dependent upon the barrier. So if I've sent, let's say, 12 messages on Slack back and forth, and we're still not coming to a conclusion, then I don't want to go to an audio call. I want to go to a video call. I want to go to as high granularity as humanly possible because that solves the problem. So if you're going to go synchronous, make it as information-rich as humanly possible, in my opinion. And Slack is a perfect example of that. I mean, they kind of buttress both of those worlds because if you send an instant message on Slack, it's a big bother. It's creating a lot of those little pop-ups that you don't necessarily want in your life and that distract you from your deep work. I have all of those gotten rid of, by the way. I don't have any notifications on my Slack because it just stops me from executing on deep work throughout my workday. And we encourage everyone else in our company to be able to do the same thing. But move yourself up as fast as humanly possible. If I could speak to someone in person about the issue, I would, because it's that important to be able to solve for that. And the beauty of synchronous versus asynchronous and asynchronous management is it can work inside of an office as well. This is the thing that a lot of people don't really recognize is it was born out of the remote pioneer movement, the remote team movement. But this methodology could absolutely be deployed inside of an office. I am blown away at the amount of people that can't requisition a paperclip, but yet they can have a meeting with eight six-figure executives for an entire afternoon and spend $9,000 worth of company money having people sit around and, again, look at a TI-83 report or whatever it might be. It's absolutely ridiculous. And that shouldn't necessarily exist inside of a remote or an on-premise team. No, definitely. That shouldn't be the norm. I think that definitely makes sense. And so we talked about syncing being a la carte. And I know you've mentioned your love for buffets. And you talked about right now how people can choose when they should be disrupted or when they can be disrupted and how that conversation escalates into different communications. We've gone through a little bit of how we can make meetings efficient. And I think there was something that was really interesting that came up in our conversation before the show. So if you'd like to share, what are other possible ways for us to make meetings more efficient? Well, let me go back to my silent meetings example. I think that's probably a really good framer for this. When I do a meeting with someone, I only talk about the issues from the results of the meeting, which I do asynchronously. That's the piece that is really difficult for a lot of people to kind of recognize is I'm not just updating people. Updating people generally in meetings is like 80% of the meeting. I actually just was on a call before jumping into this one. And it was a consultant that wants to know about our technology and how it works. And I spent four hours and not only me, but our director of customer success, our top salesperson, our VP of marketing, we spent four hours looking through the software. Well, we could have actually just done that project entirely asynchronously. Someone could have actually recorded an entire walkthrough of the software from top to bottom, 
And then we wouldn't have been able to waste everyone's time. So, I mean, it's super simple. Just forget the updates. Just focus on the issues. Focus on the implications from that issue. And at the end of that four-hour demo, she had a list of questions that applied to the software. She could have, number one, posted those asynchronously, and we could have addressed them directly. But even if that wasn't the issue, she could have actually addressed them synchronously, and then we could have gone through that conversation. But that conversation really took an hour and the entire meeting took five hours. So reducing those amounts, getting those four hours back, if I was able to get those four people's time back, those four hours, we probably would have in that time generated an extra 50,000 ARR, which probably translates into like $200,000 in lifetime value. So we spent two to $3,000 and we lost $200,000 in lifetime value. Think about that happening constantly every day, day in, day out. It's dragging your business behind and you really want to accelerate it. And so when you talk about silent meetings, let me get this straight. So what we would do is record the updates so people can just consume that when they need. And then if there's any questions that come up, these will be responded to asynchronously. Is that the concept of the silent meeting, if I got that correctly? Yeah. So I would provide the update, but then I would also not just provide an update without actually directly approaching an issue. So what is the issue from this update? If it's just an update, honestly, the vast majority of the time, you don't even need to actually produce a meeting for that. Go check out the Google Doc and look at it. (laughs) I don't need to explain that to you. And if I do, you probably shouldn't work here because you're not up to date. So you get that document or you get that video, you see it, and then there's an issue. And then we debate that issue, usually in a project management tool, we use Asana. And then what we do is if we've come to a conclusion, I add the conclusion at the very top of the description again, below the issues, so that that documentation is there. So three years from now, when we say, well, why did we decide to go left versus right? Well, in a meeting that's synchronous, none of that is documented. But in a meeting that's silent and asynchronous, all of that is documented. And you can say, well, actually, we made this decision back in 2021 that I was going to do this podcast for GQ, and it was a horrible decision, but we decided to do it anyways. And now our life is completely ruined. But at least we knew where that decision came from and what the process was to be able to come to that conclusion. Well, let's just hope that the end result is not horrendous, of course. But <laughs> but that's actually a good point. Yeah, because when you have a lot of synchronous meetings, I mean, people do make notes, but you don't have that activity log. You don't have that history of how what decisions led to the outcome of this event. And more importantly, it's forced. Yeah. So it's not the highlights reel. It is the entire conversation. The other thing that is really important to take into consideration when you're thinking about asynchronous communication is charisma no longer matters which is really important for large-scale organizations to scale, or, well, any organization to scale. Charisma usually means that someone ends up getting their way because they're more charismatic, but not because they had a better idea. And that's a piece that's so important to communicate inside of synchronous meetings. You've probably seen these types of people, right? Like the six-foot-one captain of the football team type of guy that just comes in and He's run everything his entire life and he comes in and he says, you know what, GQ, this is the way that we're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. They have a good leadership kind of mindset and you're just sucked in by this perspective. But in reality, actually, this person might have a horrible idea, but you just got conned into it because he's charismatic. Charisma doesn't matter inside of asynchronous management. It's just the cold, hard facts. 
for someone who's just getting started in this and they're they're figuring things out, they're looking for additional resources outside of what you just shared today, which is awesome, by the way. What are some resources or books or tools you would recommend? Sure. So first one would be Deep Work by Cal Newport. I think for anyone that's really interested in recognizing remote work productivity, that is by far the best resource that I could start people off with. Another honorable mention is actually Remote by Basecamp. It's a really good introduction if you're interested in pursuing just the basics of remote work, but deep work goes into the philosophy. And then I think in terms of tools, Time Doctor, (laughs) obviously, which is a time tracking tool for remote teams to be able to make sure that you are focused and productive in where you deploy your time, not just necessarily time tracking, but more importantly, how could you actually work less? How can you be more productive with your time? These are the things that we really try to solve for at Time Doctor. And then one other one that I think everyone should kind of jump into is process documentation and a tool called Trainual. So Trainual is... And there's a bunch of other products in the market right now. I like Trainual. You can even just start with a Google Doc. But recording all of the ways that you operate your business is the other big part outside of the management side for building and scaling a remote team. And Trainual is a fantastic way to be able to get started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Liam. Thank you. And there was one other resource that I think that would be really useful as well. And that is obviously attending Running Remote next year, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to check out our YouTube channel, all of our content is up there for free. We believe that we want to just communicate that information as quickly and as easily as humanly possible to everyone on planet Earth, because the more people that get to be remote, the more successful I think our planet and civilization will be. So youtube.com slash running remote is where you can check out all the talks for free. And outside of that, just go to runningremote.com, then sign up for the newsletter, and we will tell you when tickets are available. Awesome. Thank you, Liam. And finally, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to contact you? The YouTube channel is the one that I'm putting the vast majority of my energy into as we were talking right before we started. I think it's the only form of social media that produces the best dividends long term because you get that search engine traffic that you don't get with Instagram or Twitter. So go to youtube.com slash running remote. You can also grab me on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that kind of places. But honestly, I don't think I even own the logins to those anymore. Those are other people that work for me. But YouTube, I do. So if you put a comment down there, I will definitely get back to you. All right. So if you're looking for Liam, find him on YouTube. Nowhere else matters anymore. YouTube is the best place to find him. Hey, Liam, this is, you know, I honestly wish we would do longer format sometimes. But like, I know there's a lot of information we could dive into. But I guess for people wanting to know more, to get in touch with you or to check out your resources that you've posted on YouTube. But otherwise, other than that, Liam, thank you so much for coming on How We Solve. It's been a fantastic time catching up with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Is your e-commerce growing so fast that you can't keep up with supporting your customers in real time? Serve them better in any time zone and language. They will thank you with higher conversion rates and repeat purchases. We build and manage your own dedicated customer experience team of live chat and support agents. Get started today. Visit ltvplus.com. That's ltvplus.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.